This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the rant. Coming off a thirty to seven loss to Maryland that I promise we're not going to talk about because, fellas, I don't know that there is much to. Uh, this is one of these games we should never speak of again. You were at the game. I didn't make this trip. I had a family engagement, but watching it on TV with the knowledge that Ohio State Michigan was on another channel, and I had to force myself not to change the channel because I did. I did it once. I changed the channel once in the first quarter and then forgot to change back. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am contractually obligated to watch the Rutgers game. I can't put it back on. Uh, it was a challenge because it was really a dreary, drab way to end the season. Uh, no other way to put it. Just to uh, you know, the, we all thought this was a good opportunity for them to make a statement heading into next year. And if that's the case, Fonseca, it was not a good statement. Correct. And we're going to end up talking about the game anyway. I just thought there was nothing positive to pull away aside from maybe the first three defensive drives where they get two fumble forced and a punt. And then the dam opens because the offense can't keep the ball and can't do anything really. I may, none of us picked Rutgers to beat Maryland. I don't think any of us are surprised they lost. But I do think the way they lost is somehow ma- makes the offseason, entry of the offseason even worse than we expected before this game, we thought it could be a way to end the season on a high note. I don't think they could have ended the season on a lower note. Yeah. I mean, the effort was bad. I tweeted during the game, like you're watching this and all of your Rutgers fan, all you're looking for is some sign that the offense will be better next year. I, I, I didn't see it. I, Pat, did, I mean, did you see something that you made you say, oh, well, look, that's, that's promising. There's something that can build on. I mean, the line was bad. A receivers, like <laughs> receivers leaving. I mean, I don't know. And Gavin Wimp said again, we're in the same spot we were four weeks ago. I don't know if he's a starter. In fact, that if you had to tell me based on these four games, whether or not I felt like he would be, he'd be okay as a college starter. I would, I would say it went in the opposite direction. I I would agree. Uh, It was an appalling offensive performance. Every single stat was just appalling. Whether it was third downs, they converted on third down once with the final, in the final minute, 
which just tells you everything you have to know about how bad this offense was. Gavin particularly, yeah, regressed and and a lot of question marks going into next year for sure. And then it ended with, you know, what I thought was I'm trying to think of a way to describe it, but Greg Shannon in the post-game press conference like he looked like a man who was beaten by a two by four. I mean, just, you know, and I, I get it. I can only, uh, I mean, it had to take a toll on him physically and mentally this season. You know, we heard a lot of the same talking points that we've heard, like, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. He did not a good, doing a good job selling it. And then there were just a couple of comments that, and you know, that if I'm a, I'm a record that just my antenna went up where, where I think at one point he said, you know, I have to look at it, whether or not I'm the guy, if I still think I'm the guy, uh, at another point, he just, you know, like he said, I don't have to do this. There's a couple of comments. I mean, like, wait, what, wait, wait, what a minute is this? And I've talked to people since who say, no, look, he's committed this. That's not, you're reading too much into it. But overall, Brian, I mean, it certainly was not, I just try, it was weird. That's the best way I could describe it. Right. Weird. I've thought about it a while, a bit since I think it was more of a rhetorical way of him saying like, it all starts with me. The process of evaluation starts with me and I got to figure if I'm going to do this or not. Cause by the end of it, he's already talking about, you know, wanting to, he can't wait until they start winning games and, and getting to that point he's been talking about. So I think he's, he's, I mean, at the very least we know, I would be like beyond shocked if he retired or resigned this offseason, Right. I don't think that's really a realistic worry. So I do with the question that, is he starting to question whether he wants to do this in the era of NIL, in the era of the transfer portal, in the era of complete uncertainty every offseason, having to re-recruit your roster, having to recruit almost an entirely new roster out of the portal? Uh, I'm sure that's a question that him and every head coach across the country is asking right. themselves. But yes, I, I I was struck by the fact that when I was listening back that he said it not only once, but then he doubled down at the end. And he's like, I don't have to do this. So yeah, yeah. look at David Shaw out of Stanford, Pat. I mean, this is like a guy who, you know, had job security 12 years. They loved him out there. Granted, the team wasn't good, but he just said, you know what? I'm, I'm just I am looking at this. I am looking at the world we're in now. I'm looking at Stanford's place in it. And I don't know. Like that's that's a, that's a really and this is a bigger picture question now where, where Rutgers fits in in the in the world. But, yeah, I mean, these are all these are all things that Greg Shannon, I'm sure, thinking about. There's there's no question. And how how Rutgers navigates the financials is is really interesting. The one the one thing that I really liked that Shiano said was that he really enjoys his legacy as a developer and a guy that develops character. And he, when he thinks about his legacy, he thinks about the players and their families and what they're doing right. now and the way he's built taking 18 year old kids and made them men. I think that's the part of the job that Shiano's always enjoyed and is also very good at. So I think that's what keeps him in the game in the end. Another thing that happened, and it's just the flip side of that, is this season, and especially the way the season ended, opens up the door. We're seeing the first cracks, right? I mean, certainly nothing's going to happen. If Greg Shannon, if he, he's going to be coach next year, if he wants to be coach next year, nothing's going to happen on that level. But you're seeing the people, I mean, they're lining up. And it's it's it's, it's the most predictable collection of people. It's the professors who don't think Rutgers should have football in the first place. It is the Twitter geniuses who were lukewarm on hiring Greg Schiano, didn't have a better idea. This is my favorite group of people, like the people who now said, I didn't want it. I didn't want this guy. I knew this was going to fail. But don't tell us that they really wanted Joe Moorhead or or Steve Adazio. Or like, you know, like this. We're coming back to this. The revisionist thinking that's happening now in the program over hiring Greg Schiano. He was hired because there wasn't a better ch- candidate. Like that still remains true today. It's just amazing to me the stuff that's uh, that's happening over this in my email inbox, and it's understandable. I get it. They're four and eight, uh, and that's what happens when you go four and eight in year three. That there's going to be people second guessing where this program's at, Brian. I mean that that's that's where we're at. 
Well, Steve, if they waited two more years, they would have gotten Lincoln Riley instead of him going to USC. Right. He would have exactly. yes. he would have gone to Rutgers and rebuilt <laughs> the program. Obviously, no. Yes, yeah. and and it, it, the second guessing is obviously predictable, as you said. There are people who even supported Shiano to the death who are now suddenly right. saying that he's not the guy, and you know that's just the product of where they are in the season and in the rebuild. Like you said, I I get it. I do think that uh, the issue. One major issue that we I think we've discussed this earlier in the season is that them starting off three and zero really set expectations out of whack. We've since learned that Boston College and Temple are terrible, but at the time they seem like good wins. So people yeah. enter the Big Ten schedule up three and zero. They think that Rutgers is going to steal some wins, you know, finish go to a bowl game. That seemed like a realistic thing, but at the end they went four and eight, which I think all of us uh, predicted four and eight, three wins, something like that. We thought five wins would be a, an a amazing season for Rutgers, which is still true. Now they could have beaten. Nebraska, I think that's that's probably the one one game you point to that's like they could have gotten that win. But I think given preseason expectations, given where the program is at, this was probably a reasonable expectations for, for where it would go. But my the counterpoint is that in this current era where you can really just essentially rebuild your entire roster in one offseason, as we saw them do at USC for, for Lincoln Riley, the, the slow build is no longer in fashion. So Rutgers is going to have to fix a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes in their offense, uh, from offensive coordinator to offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, et cetera. They're going to have to fill all those holes in the, in the transfer portal. And there's no real excuse for the the one extra win per season. I think Rutgers should compete for a bowl game next year. I think that the expectation, the timeline accelerates and the expectations grow much faster now in the current era. Oh, there's no question. One point, one point to that. The, the difference between the beginning of the season and our four and eight prediction versus the four and eight prediction that or the four and eight ending that we got was that you you would think that at four and eight they were building towards the future things looked brighter these young players were you know going to be moving along in in the right direction that Gavin would get was going to be progressing it just seems like all those things the mistakes the turnovers they all it went the wrong way and that's that's the problem yeah it was a bad could it be a bad four and eight like I don't know like what a good four and eight would look like. How good I think, I think was that they saying. were competitive against Maryland instead right. of getting blown out 37. No, yeah, it was 38 to 34 and right. Gavin Wimpson threw for three yards. You're like, you're like, okay, well, all right. Instead, it's just the effort, the way the team looked, the vibe about the vibe around the program and the way the wheels fell off every game too. Yes. And the mistakes and the lack of discipline and the penalties and the offensive line. Like if you were to make a list, this is my problem. If you were to make a list of 10 things that you would want to see happen in a four and eight season, I'm not sure they checked. I'm not sure they checked two of those boxes right i mean yeah. that's yeah you're right you're right I, like you would want to say okay we've got the we've got the foundation for a good offensive line well no you don't i mean i don't see it maybe inside the program the the guys who they, they recruited last year are, are redshirted stronger are going to step in and be great but i don't i cannot see that in front of me you want this to have a quarterback i cannot see that in front maybe he'll be good maybe he'll be great but i, I didn't see it happen like I didn't see one, like, one of the boxes is young defensive line that can stop the run and rush yeah. the passer that's that's one box Check. yeah got it you check that one. Like what's, you know, you, you, you beat, you won your non-conference games check. That was one thing I thought they had to do. Uh, but then I thought you'd have to be competitive and against the big teams, you didn't do that. I mean, there's just a lot of things that, uh, that didn't happen that, that, and that's part of the problem. All right. Where do you, where are we going now? Like what's the next break it down for me? What is the next month for you for, for, for this program? No bowl game, obviously they don't have to worry about that. No practice. What's, what's happening behind the scenes. So they're gonna have to hire an offensive coordinator, obviously. Uh, that should happen, uh, I would think, soon, given the way that Shiano explained that it's hiring mode at this point, that I would I would expect that within a week or two, 
Rutgers has an offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if I asked Shiano this, uh, is, would he contemplate any offensive changes, any changes to the coaching staff at all, aside from offensive coordinator? He left that open. Uh, I don't know if he will or not. I would not be surprised given how bad the offense was. Um, you got to hit the portal insanely hard. It opens next Monday. When the floodgates open, you have to attack as many players as you possibly can and bolster the offensive line. Get You need absolutely need to get a tight end, a competent tight end who can ca- catch passes. As serviceable as John Lincoln is, he might even come back next season. You need a guy you can depend on to catch passes down the middle, give Gavin Wimsett a security blanket, uh, some guy that he can just throw the ball to and have an outlet. And then given the fact that they're losing their three best receivers or three most productive receivers, they need to get two wide receivers that they can depend on and hold. And ideally two wide receivers that aren't going to quit on the team after the first game of the season. And almost as importantly, re-recruiting the entire roster again. Well, the part of the the roster you want to return, right? Greg Shiano said that they have conversations throughout the year. So there's no exit meetings. It's more of an ongoing conversation. They better hope those conversations are going very well right now uh, because the Rutgers does not have a lot of pieces to build around. So if losing any of them would be a major blow. So yeah. a lot is happening behind the scenes in the next month. And it's going to be fascinating to see where this program is at, you know, come the, the second signing day in February, because a lot, a lot could change. Pat, I mean, just to that point, I think they're playing defense yeah, uh, in the portal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely playing defense because this, as Greg pointed out, what is it? 48 kids have, Two or, year, two or more years of experience that played in Big Ten games, you need to keep that young core together and playing defense is, is step one, re-recruiting them. And it, it just seems like so – it sounds so good to do on a podcast to say, oh, let's go out and get two offensive linemen. Let's go out and find two receivers. I just feel like that's so – it's such a pipe dream that fans and people on the outside like think of, but I don't know how realistic it is. All right. So, and just, and just be clear, because Brian, you mentioned offensive coordinator, everyone asks who we think that, who that's going to be. We don't have a big board. I mean, we've got, we've got, we've got a bunch of names. Uh, We can throw out a lot of the names I'm sure familiar to, to many fans. The thing to remember is now you watch that. If you're a candidate for this job and you're, and you're a guy on the way up and you just watched what happened to Sean Gleason and you watched the last five games of this season, you are aware that this is not going to be, you're not going to come in here no matter what scheme you're running and take that from the 119th or whatever it is, best offense in the country and make it 27th. Like <clears throat> this is like get back. Like I seen that name Joe Conlon, the Fordham coach who's going to be a hot name. If you're him. All right. Yeah. I can go to Rutgers and triple my salary, but that's not, but that's not what he's, he's looking at three jobs from now, right? He doesn't want, he wants to be the Oklahoma coach. He wants, like, he wants to have, he wants to get the, the 10 million a year contract. He wants to be that guy. So is that the step he's going to take? I don't know. He'd be a great hire. Of course he would. There are a bunch of names like that where you say, well, Hey, if they could get blank, he'd be great. Like some of the, some of the coaches that are on the rebound to get those guys to be great, but they're also in the same way. Like, are they going to come here? It is a positive that at least you can say that Rutgers pays a little bit more right. for their offensive coordinator. The Sean Gleason hire set a new bar for the program. So at least that is an attractive part of the job, but yeah, tough sledding for an offense that outside of, the hope that Sam Brown comes back and can be the player that he was really had no identity at the end of the right. season. Yeah. And the other part of this, and this is, this is important. Like, I think that Greg Shiano is going to reach the decision that he wants to run an offense. He's comfortable running and it's going to be pro style. It's going to be closer to what Michigan's doing than what 
Ohio State was doing. It's going to be an old school time of possession, win the line of scrimmage thing, and that and that's going to cross out a bunch of guys. Brian, right? I mean, that's that's the other part of this. Like we haven't heard. Like what did this year do to Greg Shiano's thoughts on offense? The complimentary football part, the the idea that all right, we're not going to be in the situation where we're going three and out and and trying to throw the ball to the field and putting the pressure on our defense. I mean, what like what is he going to what is he going to do philosophically on offense? He seems to have had the same philosophy on offense his entire career, right? Just protect the ball, do not put it in danger. Conservative. I can't imagine that at this point in his career in his career is going to change. He did a little bit with. With Sean Gleason, right? They were created that first year. Yeah, he arrived here thinking he was going to be that. He was going to be closer to the to to what Ohio State was doing. I think at least that was what the Gleason hire meant. Right, and and obviously there was a shift at some point there in twenty one. Will he shift back? I don't know. I think that probably is the best way to go if you're going to fill a talent gap that they have. I don't. I'm not particularly advocating for the triple option. I'm not cratch here, but I do think that they're better off trying something new than the run, run, pass, punt offense they've been running all season. I don't know whether they'll do it or not, but you have to have the players to do that as well. And again, it, I, this is what I go back to. It's the only thing that matters is off season more than who is the offensive coordinator is the players they have. Because right. if we're being honest here, Nunzio and Sean Gleason did not have as, as uh, Greg put it, the 86 giants or the 07 Patriots to work with here. There yeah. were very limited pieces on this offense. They had no tight end. They had one serviceable wide receiver. They had a freshman run uh, quarterback who is playing his first five starts. They had an offensive line who could not protect him, who could not get a push. There's no, it's not a coincidence that the only productive offensive games they had were against Indiana, which is the worst defense in the big 10 and Michigan state, which is one of the worst defenses in the big 10, right? As important as it is to hire a good offensive coordinator who's creative and yada, yada. The most important thing is getting players who can produce. All right. That was a lot. <laughs> Let's take a break and do some true or false. Don't have a lot of topics for you, but they're all important. So here we go. All right. True or false. Gavin Wimsett is the guy. Let's just say it right now. Do we do we believe he's the guy? Brian, true or false? As much as I could have been deterred, I'm going to say true. Wow. Okay. Pat? I'm going to say true as well. Okay. Uh, I'm in the false category right now. I'm just not seeing it. All right. True or false? This team will be picked clean in the transfer portal. Brian, are we going to lose a bunch of players here? True or false? I'll say false only because that sounds like the entire team is going. I think they'll they'll inevitably lose some guys. Uh, yeah, let's put that clean. let's put that four important players. You gonna go the under on four? I'll go under. Okay, Pat. True, or false. No, I'll under go under. I'll go under as well because yeah, I'm buying yeah. the Shiano narrative about young yeah. players building. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad. I think they're going to lose players. I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as the fear is. Too. I'll go false there. All right, true or false. Firing Sean Gleason was a mistake. <laughs> we got the point now. The offense wasn't better. Brian, was that a mistake? Uh, timing, I I think true. Pat, I think you should have fired Strong Gleason. Made a statement, and it just didn't work out, unfortunately. Okay, so you said false. Uh, I'm going to go false too. I, I I didn't. It didn't work, but I don't think it was necessarily a mistake. Uh, all right, true or false? Rutgers will make a bowl game in 2023. A lot of people are going to be expecting that, or think that's going to have to happen to to turn this thing. Uh, what do you think, Brian? True or false? What we're saying right now, false. Pat, true. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, right now I got to go false too. And the schedule, like true or false Luke fickle to Wisconsin, Matt rule to Nebraska. The big 10 just got even badder as bad in a good way. <laughs> Brian, true or false. True. Pat. True. Definitely. Yeah, it's true. Definitely true. Two, two down programs made the best hires they could have made. That's just like you. 
even more work for Rutgers. All right. And finally, true or false, the basketball team wins three of its next five games. It is a success as a refresher at Miami, Indiana, at Ohio State, Seton Hall, Wake Forest. Brian, true or false? A monumental success. True. <laughs> true. All right. Pat? True. Yeah, that is a murderous row. That is brutal. All right, let's just start there. If they win three of the next five games, they're on. Are they still on track for the NCAA's? Absolutely. It depends on who they beat too. Uh, if you steal a road win at Miami, that's huge. If you beat the Big Ten favorites, Indiana, that look every bit like a title yeah. contender. That's yeah. true. But you also have to beat the the gimmies, the quote unquote gimmies in that group, which is versus Seton Hall, Seton Hall team that's had good wins and terrible wins. Lost to Siena, right? They're not. They're four and three. That's not. That is. That could be a bad loss at home. They yeah, lost to so, Siena last night, but they also yeah. beat Memphis on Friday in this uh, crazy buzzer beater. And then right. Wake Forest, uh, they're not exactly a world beater. They're you you have to beat them at home. You can't really not that you can't afford to lose that game at home, but that feels like the easiest game of the bunch, uh, along with Seton Hall. You win those two games, and then you pick off any of those other three games. I think would be as good of a week as you can get. And if you win four, then you're on the fast track to the tournament. Are we in danger of one or two here in this stretch? Losing. Yeah, I mean, only winning one or two. I mean, like, is this a one or four? This is this such a hard stretch for where this team's at with Paul McKay hurt that they might not win more than one of these five games or two of these five games? Is is there is a real danger that this could be a opposite stretch for this team, a, a bad one that they'll be digging out of the rest of the season? That's a doomsday scenario. Uh, I'm more of an optimistic guy. You know me, Steve. Of course, uh, yes. One thing, the one word I would use for you, it's optimistic, uh, right, Pat? I mean, when you're thinking especially, of- yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh-huh. especially for hoops. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was the only guy saying they would make the tournament last year. That was that was all me. Anyway, yeah, I, <laughs> I think two wins is good. Is is should be the expectation. One win is a disaster. Three wins would be good. Four wins would be tremendous, and five wins would be cancel the rest of the season, put them in the tournament already. They might win the whole damn thing. Yeah, right. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think Miami is the it's the first one. I don't think it's. I also think it's the pivotal one because it's a road game, out of conference against a team. I looked at who they played. They're not. They're not. They're okay. They're not great. You know, they're they're probably a bubble team, right? Miami. Well, they the, they're like fiftieth and around the fifty range in Ken Palm. They have a lot of individual talent. It, it'll be right. a, good, a good test on who outside of Caleb McConnell can lock up their guy in ISO situations because Miami is essentially an NBA team that runs a billion ISOs. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, all right. So the portal part, we all said false on getting picked clean. We've talked so much about it. I think these next few weeks could be pivotal. I know there's a lot going on now behind the scenes with, you know, the, trying to scrounge up the NIL money. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, but I think there'll be some names that go in there that surprise us. I think there'll be some names that were going to go in there anyway. Like this is not just about NIL. This is just this is just a time in the in the history of college you know, sports where people can move, they can move around, and they do. They're they're used to it. They're not wedded to being in one place. So I think you're going to see a lot of names. You're like, wait, what? But for the most part, picked clean was too much, right? We we agree that is, is are there three players that you're concerned about the most losing? Was the Wesley Bailey's Aaron Lewis? Those main starters would be it would be devastating if if Rutgers lost any of them. Tyreen Powell is another one on right. defense. You know you would be devastated if a guy like that left. But what, like what you're, what you're saying is the guys that maybe are looking for more st- more playing time or were 
unhappy with their role this season, those are the guys that might leave. And those that's the process of this new generation of players that think the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, I will tell you one, one name I'm not, I am not worried about is Gavin Wimsett. I think he'll be back next year. I know you asked Greg Shannon, he said nothing would surprise me, but that would surprise me if he left. It really would. I think he's he's shown no signs of wanting to leave. I think his family is all in on this decision and all in on New Jersey. So I would be I would be surprised. Uh, and he's starting. And he's starting. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Why do why do players leave? They leave because they want, yeah, they're because they're they're they think they should be starting. Exactly. Great point. All right, Rutgers in the bowl. It's just too early to know. I mean, I think there's a chance looking at the non-conference schedule, they'll go three and zero again. But then yeah, all right, you gotta you gotta start finding where the three wins are in, in Big Ten playing. It's it's tough. You know, Northwestern is bad, but that's the first game of the year. So you have to come out ready. Yeah, this is a lot of Certainly, there's a chance for this team to be five and one early on, or, or I don't have the schedule in front of me, but to be off to a good start. And then, yeah, then the bowl's on the table. But we just so much we don't know about what this team's going to look like. Right. We don't know what this team's going to look like. We don't know what the opponents are going to look like. We don't yeah. know anything. I don't think it's, I mean, we'll do it in the offseason because that's what we do to spend time. But I think we won't know realistically who's going to be good, who's going to be not until August. Got to find out if the quarterback is the guy. The first question on this true and false, Steve. Of course. His yeah. development is is beyond the offensive coordinator, beyond position coaches being hired, who leaves in the portal. How they develop this quarterback is is number one in, in my eyes. Right. Yes. And what, when what, what bothered me about it and thinking about it is that they had a full year of him in the program already. And they didn't, they just, I just did, I just didn't see, I didn't see development and I get it. There are some things that perhaps we're not, uh, he's doing now that we, he's never encountered before. He's still only 19. There's a lot of things there. Um, but man, the accuracy thing concerns me. Uh, Decision-making that, that can get better. Yeah. It's a big question mark. I still look at his best game against Michigan state. And that's, if you take his best performance against Michigan state and his worst performance, Right. Somewhere in the middle of that is what he is at the moment. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. All right, that's a good transition. Let's dive into uh, our Rutgers Insider questions. We got a... (laughs) bunch of them i think over 70 and some of them are just great i'm going to start with this one guys because i think it's just a fun from paul jaffe in bend oregon we're huge in oregon leaving the defense out of it in what priority order would you place the following offensive personnel one new quarterback transfer portal two stud wide receiver three productive tight end four one or two ol from within or the portal five offensive coordinator. This is great. A good, what would you, let's just say, what would you be your first thing? If you could have one of these five things next season, what would it be? Either one of you jump in. I think it has to be a wide receiver, a stud wide receiver. I'll, I'll give you my five. It'll be stud wide receiver, then tight end, then offensive coordinator, then offensive line, 
And then quarterback is last for sure. Because you're riding other, with you're riding with Gavin. Right. I'm riding with Gavin. I, I I think one logistically, I don't know if you're going to be able to get a quarterback that's better than him out of the portal, frankly. So right. he's probably your best option. And I'll bump up offensive lineman to number three. The the top three are going to be players. You need to improve all the positions, and then you have an offensive coordinator that can do some magic right. with those positions. You need the greatest offensive coordinator of all time. He's not going to win with. <laughs> he's not going to win that. Yep. I agree. Stud wide, stud wide receiver. Imagine this team without Sean Ryan, who came via the transfer portal. Uh, who, he, he was who not caught, a, stud caught a pass. God. I know. Yeah. And I, I totally, and this is it. And I wonder, I was thinking about this. How would this team look with one of those guys? If you had Kenny Britt, if you had Leonte crew, I mean, that was essentially what the, the 2014 team was in the hand. Like we had Leon, Leonte Carew could be, was just a great receiver. They had the college receiver. They just had, they have one of those guys. I mean, this team, a Timmy Brown, even give me a Timmy Brown. Give me somebody. Gosh, there's so many, they, you know, Mark Harrison, give me somebody. I'm going to just keep on going and just naming receivers for the rest of the show. It'll be fun. But yeah, that, that totally with that. If they could find that player, but that's hard. I mean, you're not going to find that in the portal. Right. Is that guy in the, is that guy in the roster? I think he'd be playing. So yeah, that's that's tricky. But that's my number one too, uh, by far. So it's funny we all agree on that. I thought there'd be some disagreement on that one. So what's the rest of your list then? Where, where, where do you go? Two through five. Uh, I'm gonna go two. I want to. I would want another quarter. I would want an option at quarterback from the transfer portal. Number two, absolutely. And then yeah, if I give me one, give me one offensive lineman. Just give me. I mean, not even Anthony Davis. Just give me one guy who could be just a consistent left tackle who can. Just give you something in the run, like give me someone to run behind <laughs> on an offense, right? That would be what I'd be looking for. I think they'd be, I think they'll find the, t- I think you can find the tight end. I'm big on the Higgins kid, as you know, because he's from Nutley or his father's from Nutley. So that, that that's, uh, that's huge for me. But yeah, I agree with you totally. The offensive coordinator is less important than the personnel. That's where I'm at. What about you, Pat? Where are you going? What's your, what's your list? Stud wide receiver, I think is, is top priority. Offensive line was up there for me. But I, I still think that offensive coordinator is really important. I might even put that ahead of the players because you need to find an identity for this offense. And it, it, it there just was no identity. That's that's what I keep coming back to. What was this Rutgers offense by the end of the season? They needed a coordinator to come in here and be like, okay, we're going to run the ball 30 times a game. Or we're going to come in, spread it out, and, and throw the ball all over the place. So I think finding that identity comes first, and then you can plug the personnel into that after that. Yeah. That's, or okay. and and also find a find a coordinator who's gonna make who's gonna take Gavin from being this inconsistent rookie and develop him into a player three four years from now is is gonna be the leader for a team that all these guys that now have experience need to put it on the field and put it together. So I might even put offense coordinator number one. Interesting, good stuff. All right, that was fun. Thanks, Paul, in Bend, Oregon. All right, more questions. Uh, a lot of Shiano questions. I would say next year, Rutgers must win six games or else Shiano's seat starts to get warm. I like Greg, and I think he's the right man for the job. What would it take for the school to lose confidence in him? That's a fascinating question. Like the idea that he would ever get fired to me is still, it would take a two and 10, three and nine for it to be truly warm next year. But yeah, this would be, this is a pivotal year because this he just finished year three of his contract. So he's going into year five. So the way these things work and I'm sorry, he's going, yeah, it's going to, he's all five years left going to the next year. So the way things work, he, that's going to be a topic of discussion, right? So this, I mean, you can't see, can't undersell the importance of year four. Would his seat be hot, Brian? You think if they have another four and eight season like this, or like you said, a three and nine year, 
Yeah, potentially, right? I don't know about hot, but warming up that doubts, the, the small doubts that are creeping within the diehard section of the fan base would really start rising to the top to the majority. I don't know if a bowl game necessarily is the make or break point. I do think that if they had another year like 21, where they're five and se- five and six entering the last week of the season, and they, they come realistically close of making a bowl game, I think that's a step in the right direction. Most importantly, they have to look like they're making progress, right? The barrier to his seat getting warm is another another season like this one. All right. And, and just in a, in a question along those same lines, someone was worried to hear Shiano say that he doesn't need to do this. So what motivates him? Is it enough to turn Rutgers around? Does Shiano still have that fire in his belly is the question. I mean, without you can't, I can't be inside Greg Shiano. I think certainly the season wore him out. Uh, you would, you can't, I mean, he's a competitive guy. You had to kill him to lose to Maryland. <laughs> I mean, 37, nothing and having Mike Loxley thrown into the end zone in the fourth quad had to kill him not to be able to deal with that. I don't think he's lost the competitive fire. I mean, this is a man who doesn't have to coach. He's made enough money in his career, got paid from the NFL f- for three years for not coaching. And yeah, I, I think he looks at this as his legacy, Pat. I mean, this is not this is not a job to him. Yep. This is his thing. That's <laughs> Rutgers football is his thing. Yeah. That's that's it. You you, you nailed it there, Steve. Yeah. And, and so he yeah, he he's said that he's now. even yeah. said that, but he said that on Saturday, like right. when he got into his spiel about developing kids, that's why he's in it. But also he's also said in the past too that the built from a building building the new stadium or building the new practice facility that's his legacy at Rutgers he wants to build this to a point where when he hands it off it won't be back to complete dysfunction like it was yeah he i think it would kill him to come here and to to fail at, at putting this in a in a stable spot absolutely so that's what i think that's what he's going to wake up and his competitiveness and his his pride i think is going to say we can't this can't stand that's that's how i at least i think so all right, another Greg Schiano question. Do you think he has the honesty and integrity to hire a top-notch offensive coordinator and give him autonomy? Unfortunately, his fingerprints are all over this offense. What top offensive coordinator, given a choice, would pick working with Greg Schiano? Being Gordon Ramsay's sous chef must be more free and rewarding. Hey, leave the good one-liners to me, pal. I'm kidding. Great line. Brian, will he hire an offensive coordinator and give him autonomy? Sean Gleason had autonomy. I don't think that it was Greg Schiano asking him to put Johnny Lange behind center and run into the offensive line 10 times a game, right? Uh, clearly, they stopped doing that once Gleason was fired. I, I don't know if we can say that Nunzio and Sean Gleason called games the same way. Now, complete autonomy, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to let a guy come in here and run the triple option again just to make that reference. But I do think that the idea that Greg Schiano was himself calling the offense while calling the defense, while calling the special teams, is giving him a bit too much credit. I don't, I don't think they'll get complete autonomy, but I do think the offensive coordinator they do hire will have some say or a big say in how the offense is run. Right. I don't think he was calling the offense this year. I don't, I really don't think his fingerprints were all over that until what happened against Nebraska where he, or even to a lesser degree, we saw him talking, talk, we'll say talking. So it wasn't yelling at Sean Gleason at some of the non-conference games about what they were doing strategy wise. I think finally he just, he just did. He had a guy who wasn't, he wasn't on the same page with, he just wasn't in agreement with, and that's why he fired him. Like, and I think he was on the same wavelength with Nunzio, but Nunzio did not do enough job, do enough, do enough to justify having the job full time. So yeah, he's going to have to find a guy he can be on the same wavelength with one question. Tell me why Shiana shouldn't hire Joe Conlon or offensive coordinator, Kevin Decker. We talked about it. We don't, yeah. Do, do these guys have options? Are those are those names that if you're one of those guys and you're, you have the highest powered off- offense on that level, would you come here? I, I 
I really would because you can build if you if you take the Shiano sales pitch, we can we can build it. We can build it. We can get there. That that moment where you make Rutgers relevant in the Big Ten is a legacy that really stands above a lot of things, right? Right. Like so, I don't know, Conlin, maybe Signetti. Been, been here, you know. Is I don't Ralph know. Ralph still, <laughs> He's still available. Yeah, I just don't know what's realistic. Putting realistic and not realistic on this, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard to say, but I still think it is an attractive job. And the idea of putting Rutgers on the map again is is a, is such a great appeal. All right, portal questions, Alex from Freehold. If you could protect five players from transferring, who would they be? Great question. All right, let's let's do it. Let's do a snake draft. Sure. I'll go one. Aaron Lewis. Who you got next? You you draft next, Pat. Who you got next? Who's the next okay. player? You literally did this post this morning, so you could check it out on NJ.com. Oh, how convenient. Number, yeah, there you go. Number two, I'm going to go with Gavin Wimson. Okay. All right. Fair. Yeah. You can't have him. You can't. You can't lose him. You're be in bad shape. Brian, you get three. You get picks three and four. I'll get uh, Tyreen Powell. And yes. Wesley Bailey. Okay, those are no oh boy. Gonna be tough getting back me on the other end here. All right. Well, you would be the six. You would be the six. I would be six. So yeah. You you could get lucked out here. The, the running backs. I put Sam Brown on that list. Obviously, I think he's must keep. Yeah, he would be a must keep. All right. Well, then you have to go to the defensive backs. Backs at that point, right? I mean, who mm-hmm. who on that list? Who who on that list is the most in danger of losing? I'm trying to like Max I'm Melton. Max Mel- Melton. He's got yeah. I think Melton would be higher than Sam Brown, in my opinion. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. He's important on special teams too. Yeah. yeah, Longer Beam would be another guy. So I would certainly put them because you don't want to have to be the, the defensive backs were good all year. You don't have yeah. to be rebuilding that. So yeah, there's a lot of guys you can't lose on this team, man. We basically uh, just rattled off all the starters. So let's just get that, go back to the true or false. Will this team get picked? Did get picked? Pick dry? Yeah, right. And we all said no. So yeah. So there's a bunch of guys. There is a bunch of guys that got to keep all of them on defense, except for Sam Brown at this point. I think, although a couple of linemen, I'm sure they wouldn't want to lose. All right. What else we got here? A hoops question. This is perfect for you, Brian. You're going to love it. Is Pikes vindicated in his, in his scheduling? Finished the cupcake portion, ranked 34 in Kempom, and survived injuries to two captains with young guys getting experience. How about that? Maybe we were too harsh on the scheduling last year? What do you think? No. <laughs> so they Love did it. what they had to do when they schedule like this. If you schedule terrible teams, you've got to beat the ever-living life out of them, which mm-hmm. they did, to their credit. And they beat every sub-200 Kempom team they played by 30-plus points. That's good. They they pulled in Iowa. That's what you have to do. Now, that will prevent you from losing or pl- getting behind the eight ball during this when you enter these crucial games. But it's not going to help you come March, right? If you re- a lot of these teams are saved by having one big marquee non-conference win. Maybe they can get that at Miami. Maybe they can get that against a Seton Hall, right? right? But all these games are contractually obligated. And the Rutgers PR extraordinaire Andy Katz reported this morning that the ACC Big Ten challenge is going away. So that's going to be one less slot that Rutgers is forced to play. Is it so really? Why? Because ESPN runs it and ESPN is losing oh. rights to the Big Ten. So oh, okay. There you go. Simple. Yep. But the point is that's going to be one more slot they have to fill. I understand that Pico tried to schedule Gonzaga in Seattle in a neutral site. I understand that he tried to schedule Notre Dame. I understand the effort is there and that teams maybe don't want to play Rutgers. But maybe, this is my thought, when you're scheduling these cupcake teams, instead of scheduling Central Connecticut State and Sacred Heart, try to schedule teams in your state. Like that, that, what Seton Hall is doing with Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen Holloway is not scared to play anybody. Why does the Rutgers schedule Princeton, home and home? Why does the Rutgers try to schedule Monmouth, St. Peter's? Because right. you know, those teams might beat them. Well, yeah, but it's a better win than beating Central Connecticut State. 
Can you imagine being the committee looking at that schedule and saying, you know, I don't know if I want to put Rutgers in the field, but did you see that 40 point win over central Connecticut state? Right. I, that's not yeah. moving the needle. And frankly, for the fans, that's a waste of time. No, no, why would you go to that game on a Saturday afternoon, a gorgeous Saturday afternoon to watch central Connecticut state? It's, it's completely pointless. It, now, if you play Princeton, that game would have some juice. If you play Monmouth, that game has some juice, some local bra- bragging rights, some fun. It, I understand right. that Steve Michael was paid not to have fun to enter the NCAA tournament, <laughs> but for the fans, like yeah. for, for people watching, it would be I, so much better. I hear what you're saying, but but to the to the texter's point, they did what they would. We're not talking about it when they win these games, Pat. Right? I mean, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, they did lose the Temple too. Don't forget that. <laughs> they did lose the yeah. That was that, <laughs> and it was a bad. That was a. They just looked ugly in that game. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know. It is we, fascinating. We don't yeah. talk about it because they should win. Of course. Right. right. Yes. Right. There's no universe where Rutgers should even come close to losing these games. Right. So right. that's the thing. The, the the bar, the highest bar you can get in these games is doing your job. You, you could beat Central Connecticut State by a thousand points and no one would bat an eye. Nothing fires up Fonseca more than scheduling and or and or Portuguese soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to try. By the way, we're just going to try to get this podcast as long as possible. So, wait, you forgot also sellouts, sellouts, right? sellouts, Portuguese soccer and non-conference basketball scheduling. I love when he gets fired up about this stuff. All right, three more topics. Funny, I put I list them under funny. I love this one. I have sixteen season tickets. Should I renew them? A texter wants to know. And I got to be honest with you. I have to ask, why on earth would you have 16 season tickets in the first place? I mean, that seems right. That's I, I know. I, I know a bunch of fans who are like this. They've got, you know, some of these mega donors have like dozens of tickets. I just don't understand. Like what? I guess if you have like endless amount of spending cash, but how do you do? You, how many situations do you have? We have 15 other people you want to take to a Rutgers football game. So Maybe I would that's say that's why there are so many empty seats. Yeah, because this guy is at 16. And unless he's got like a huge go. family. Unless he's got like a huge family. I don't know if you need 16 tickets. Yeah, I, it seems like four is the right number. I mean, it's if not like you can't get the them. Num- if you open the numbers, we'll find out if this person right. renewed or did not renew. I had a booster who offered me 11 tickets to the Michigan game. I'm like 11 tickets. Look at what, you know, what, what can you do with 11 tickets? How do you have 11 tickets? So no. You I don't know this guy has a huge family, but he certainly has a huge wallet. So what I would recommend is to save your Saturday afternoons and take the money you spend on season tickets, subscribe to nj.com slash Rutgers and read our content so that way you get the Rutgers experience. <laughs> man, is a subscriber. Come on. He's got 16 season tickets. Yeah, but gift the subscriptions to other gift people. Other, that's good. I friends, see. That's a great thing. To your coworkers, yes. to your grandmother who loves Rutgers football. That's a great idea. How many, if you had, if you get turned in 12 of the season tickets, they're probably like, what, a thousand bucks each. You could buy a hundred. So you could really give out, like, you could keep us in business with those with that money. So yeah, that's what I think yeah. you should do. Great, great plan. Fun second. You're thinking. Uh, all right. This is a funny. For Politi. <laughs> From Josh in Arlington, Virginia. What is it like covering a team this bad over the years? Does apathy set in? Do you remain hopeful like Red Sox fans pre-World Series? Or do you find it comical how bad they are? Picturing a drunk announcer in a Disney movie before the teams turn around. That's, that's a good question, Josh. I don't know, guys. Am I hopeful one of that games? You tell me. What what what, what, what do you get when I sit down like in mid-November? Do I feel like I'm beaten down to the world? Or am I looking at it like Bob Euchre? Where, where, where am I at? I think you're like the witty enough person that you always kind of have, you can take the negative and spin it positive and make jokes. Ooh. And I, I, that, okay. I, when I see you sitting, when you, when I see you sitting next to me, 
I think you're excited. So no, I don't. It's I don't see a man see who's thrilled to be there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like... We had the Politi plunge. So yeah, you know, I think you're. I think you're doing good. Doing a good job. Yeah. Josh, I will say it's a it's a grind. It's, I mean, like this was when I became columnist. Like it, I was like 2005 was my first year of columnist. So every team was good. And that became that became tiring too. Like you would just go from one season to another. Like the Giants were getting good, the Jets were good, the Devils were just coming off a cup. They were still good. You guys, shoot, that 2006 was obviously right then. They were good every year. So it was like it was crazy. Baseball was still good. Now everybody stinks. It gets to be a bit of a grind. I will tell you. Maybe it's that peaks and valleys that Shannon was talking about. Being a columnist, sometimes it's like this. It's yep. a roller coaster. I'm in a roller coaster. I'm at the bottom, hoping that hoping we start going back up soon. Because uh, yeah, to your point. Oh, and I will say though, that like now you see, like I went to the Devils game for their, you know, for their 13 game winning streak, and you're like, oh my god, this is a lot of fun. It was just fun being there when the team's winning, the crowd's juiced up, everyone's interested when you have to write. It's not easy. You guys know this, trying to write about the team that's losing 37 to nothing to no one enjoys this. It's not fun for us. I mean, good grief. It's uh, it, it's tough to come up with topics. No one wants to talk to you. I mean, man. So, Josh, uh, yeah, we it, uh, it's something we would prefer to have the alternative. All right, one more, and this one's about you guys. CJ Ambassador Ridge wants to know, to me, do you think Lanny and Fonseca will be on the roster next year? Or might they enter the transfer portal? After all, Sarge and Cratch both did. This is a great question. Like, I don't, if I had to protect one of the two of you <laughs> from the transfer portal, I don't know who I'd pick. I'd have to think long and hard. Where my NIL money is going to go? Are you guys committed to this next year? I mean, what what's, you know, this is a question. Like, if Wesley Bailey turned to you after you asked him if he's coming back, what would you, what would you say to Wesley Bailey? That's a Bush League question, Steve. You know you can't answer that question. You can't ask me that question. After you can't ask me that question after kind of, a game, what kind of, of nonsense, I don't want to be back. <laughs> what kind of nonsense reporter are you? Why are you trying these NJ.com vultures trying to steal clicks? You are a terrible That's at your great. job, Steve. Uh, I love it. That's great. You should turn to say, Is there any indication I'm leaving? Do you see? Have I updated my LinkedIn page? This is a great, you can have a great rant about this. This is good. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Steve. Are you back? You're back. So you're back We're next back. year. Of course, I'm back. And James Wow. Good stuff. All right. I'd hate to have to break in someone new on the podcast. So yeah, CJ, they're both coming back. Woo. All right. Uh, predictions. We don't have any predictions to make. The season's over. What do you want to predict? Hey, let's predict the basketball team's record over the next five games. That's a good thing we could do because Fonseca destroyed us in the picks this year. I think is it over? What, were you, what was your final record? Did you uh, lose the last game? You lost the last game. No, I, I think I picked, uh, I picked Maryland to cover. You did pick Maryland to cover. Okay. Right. So we yeah. lost again. That was six and six against the spread. That's not acceptable. Um, all right. So what's what's uh, what's the basketball team going to do here in the next five games? So let's set the over under at uh, two and a half. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yep. I'll take under. Okay. Under. So they're going to lose three. Okay. Gotcha. Three. Okay. Three and two and three. All right. What do you think, Pat? What are they going to do in the next five games? I'm going to go under because I, I think the Mulcahy thing really is concerning. Okay. I'm going to go over. I don't think it's as, well, man, it is tough. I don't know. Ohio State's a tough place to play. Are they any good this year? Where was, where was Ohio State picked? Ohio State has uh, like two or three five-star freshmen. Um, yeah. So the picks are volatile because people didn't know how to you know, account for that. I think I picked them ninth. I'm kind of regretting that by now. They're good. And Rutgers has never won in Columbus for what it's worth. All right. Yeah, that's tough. Man, that's a tough place to play. Rutgers does own Indiana, but um, all right, I'm going to go over anyway. I think that they can win three of these five. I think because I think they've got two. 
Victor, it'll be, they'll beat Seton at home and they'll beat Wake Forest at home. So they just got to win one of the others. So I'm going to go over. So there you go. What else we got? Other thoughts? Wrestling? Women's hoops? Wrestling was off this past week. So no yeah, news there, there. But they got a big grapple. Garden State grapple at the Prudential Center on Sunday where they re- wrestle uh, Penn and Drexel, the two Ooh. Philly schools. Okay. Should be interesting. Tickets are still available. Tickets still available. Women's basketball off to a, a bit of a struggle, but we knew that was going to be the case. Anybody else playing, Brian? What's... I don't think any other winter sports have started yet, right. aside from hoops and wrestling. Uh, but slow, I think, I don't know if we've decided this yet, but programming for the pod, I can't imagine we're going to be doing this every week, right? Yeah. Well, we'll have one before signing. Once the next signing period is later. It's like mid-December. We'll certainly have one there. we got to do a basketball show. Come on, we've got plenty of basketball content. We could do one. I'm not against that. I just want the fans to know people that are clamoring and refreshing next Apple Monday. podcasts next Monday know that yeah. it might not be up. So uh, fair. That's everyone fair. gets a break from us too. So exactly. We need a break as well. All right. On that note, fellas, good job this season. I thought you, uh, you carried it well under difficult circumstances at times. Appreciate everyone for listening to the podcast and following us along on NGA.com to Devco for sponsoring it. Uh, and uh, to all the readers who've submitted questions, you made this, uh, you made this fun this year for us. I hope you've made it through in one piece and you'll see you on the other side with some basketball talk. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.